0: Yes, come on, son. The podcast, everybody, and we are in uh Main Street Studios, and this is being brought to you by CigarsInternational.com. Go to CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. Y'all know I am the premier cigar aficionado in this damn african-american community
1: how that long i've
0: been smoking cigars for like at least 10 years well maybe more than that but knowing what i'm doing uh that's my that's it's my good. in studio guest today mr farnsworth bentley but knowing what i'm doing it has What's to happening, be happening y'all it had to be a, like uh on the microphone sir we live y'all it had to be like about five or six years Really knowing and knowing, you know, binders and fillers and oh, okay. and all of that good stuff yeah, and what a good leaf is and all of that. So go to CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. If you uh, buy something, when you go to check out, type in Ed10off for 10% off all your purchases. And also locally brought to you by Nissan, uh, South Morrow, 6889 Jonesboro. Big up to Chris and the whole crew over there who are with me 100%. And like I said, my studio guest is Mr. Farnsworth Bentley. And before we start... Yeah. Farnsworth, I want to again uh, send a big shout out to um, Combat Jack, yes. uh, Reg- Reggie Jose. I want to we just gotta say, do it, yeah, baby. I got to send it because he's the reason why I'm podcasting. Literally, literally, literally wow. came to Atlanta, wow. invited me to do a wow. podcast live with him. Because um, he was, and early. I'm thinking, he I'm, want, I'm thinking, minute. I'm one of the guests of the podcast live. I am the guest mm. in Atlanta. We sat, we talked for two hours. And when we finished, he said, man, um, the feedback that I got a couple of weeks later from sitting with you and you telling stories was amazing. Hmm. And uh, he was like, you should podcast. Hmm. And allow me to start this podcast and then put it on the loudspeaker's network, which is his network, and I'm forever indebted hmm. and grateful to this man. Wow. And I hope that uh, A. King, who's his producer, hmm. and um, and premium Pete, and all of you guys out there that work together and, you know, him and Premium Pete split. But I'm hoping that something like this, mm-hmm. this tragedy, could bring all y'all back together and keep his show going. Keep his show going. Yes. I know nobody else is combat, Jack. Right. I know it. Uh, but you got to keep it going. You know, it's to me, it's the way Diddy stepped up after Biggie passed away. There's right. never going to be another Biggie, but that's Bad right. Boy can't stop moving. Right. And, it's, and that's the unfortunate part of it. You it know what is. I mean? Farnsworth, like, we just lost Ed Wood. We just lost Reggio say, and then uh, then my producer Krista Hayes, baby bucket, sends me this YouTube video that somebody had shot on on New York lawyers. I didn't even know they had worked together. Wow, and they wow. both gone. So you know, I'm just saying you got to keep that keep that yeah. man's name. Keep somebody stepping. Right. I'm open to it. Right. If y'all need me to, I am definitely open to saying this is the combat Jack show and keeping that shit going because. He, yeah, his brand needs to continue for everybody because that's what kind of he was way ahead of his time when it comes. And to
1: his cultural show. DNA just uh, it goes through so many careers. And you know, I had this conversation um, with I think it was it was Andre Harrell, it was Puff, and I think yeah, it was Larry Jackson. And the thing that I said is, I said the thing that I. I dislike the most about the music industry Mm -hmm. is that it doesn't do a good job of finding something, something at all for people to do who have added so much value to the culture.
0: Right, they throw
1: people away when they don't think that they're that hot. And I'm not saying that that was where Combat Jack was, right? But I'm just saying there's so many instances of this. You know, uh, Dominic Trunier. Is 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 a is a perfect example of that, and that's what I dislike the most about the music industry. These folks who have had strokes of geniuses, this it, it just wasn't a moment. This is who they are. Yeah, and there are enough platforms. There's enough things going on that people can find something for folks to do so that they can continue. There's no 401k for hip hop, bro. Right? That's right. There's no 401k. That's right. For you know, and,
0: and I and I'm going right along. Well, what you said, one of the one of my biggest disappointments, I think, for 2017 was what happened to Kid Creole from mm. from the Furious Five, and I think even more than that was seeing that Kid Creole was working as a handyman and a janitor. That shit bothered me to no end. There's too many multi-millionaires in hip hop for somebody not to turn around and say, "Hey, Kid, hey, Kid Creole, I, I got a job for you. Come over here." I got a job. Because he's part of the foundation for the reason why you're making that money. Believe it. His his pedigree in hip-hop far surpasses no matter how historically people dismiss hip-hop and the people that came before him and the pioneers that opened the door. Kid Creole and Melly Mel, especially Mel, and his brother Kid Creole. They're brothers. Those are the first guys that started rapping the way we know rap today. Before that- It, am I lying? Facts. Putting words and metaphors and similes together was Melly Mel, and he got his brother, Kid Creole, involved in it. Before that, everybody was a call or response. I know I grew up in it. I listened to Woody Wood. I listened to Eddie mm. Chiba. Those mm. tapes floated around. I know what Busy B was. Busy mm. B was not an MC, he right. was an MC, but he wasn't a rapper. Right. Right, DJ Hollywood. He was an MC. He was an MC. He wasn't a rapper. An MC was what I first became when I first started loving hip hop. I was Eddie D Mm -hmm. with the MC crew. I was the guy that had my girls and queens with my name on their T-shirt, and they would be in a party, and I'd be in a party, and when whenever they let me on the mic. It was MC Crew, what you got for me? And they yelled, Two turntables in the death MC. And I yelled, MC Crew, what we gonna do? Go down, go down. Da- that's not rapping. No. That's MC and I later Master on. ceremony. Learned, right. I later on learned how to become a rapper. And that's because Mel, Mel and them came out with Child is Born with No State of Mind, Blind mm-hmm. to the Wit. Wh- that's rapping. Right. That's that's you know that's your lineage. That's the lineage to everybody. That's the lineage to Biggie and Jay Z and Slick Rick and everybody that you can name. So to see this brother, unfortunately, get himself tied up with the law. We all know as black men, we don't want to do that. No how, no way, no no day. A record is a record, right? But to be working and not being able to sustain himself just for being—it's not okay. Grandmaster Flat. They in the Rock and Roll fucking Hall of Fame. Believe it. You ain't going to find, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're not going to really find no white boy that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's fucking down on his luck like that because Phil Collins or somebody will grab him and take him on tour. He'll have a job doing something. Something. We throw our shit away too much, man.
1: We do. and There's no respect. It, it it isn't and that's why I you know, I really do I s you know, I remember I guess it's, it's been some years ago when when I sat with Jay and he was saying that he's been spending the majority of his time at the time he was spending the majority of his resources and time in really perfecting his craft on stage and really Are making Are you to Jay Z. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah. And and because he was like, It makes no sense how the stones and all of these folks can tour in their late fifties and late sixties and we 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 don't have acts that do that necessarily. Right. We throw them away. And we throw them away and and then you get another generation saying folks is old and they trying to take shots with this whole thing and it's like no, we have to it's about sustainability. Yes. And it's also about respect. And it was My Angela who said, you know, you're standing on the shoulders, you know, of giants and no, that's not what she said. Somebody else said that, but what she said
0: was, if you don't know, if you don't know your history, I'm glad you said that, bro. I'm glad you said that because nothing bothers me more to see somebody quote somebody on Instagram, and you would be like, "When the fuck did Tupac say that?" Pac never said this shit. Stop putting a picture of Pac with a fake quote. You know,
1: she was doing about if you don't know your history, you're, you're destined to repeat it and that right. sort of thing. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but you know, it, it it's it's a real thing, and you know. We just got to do a better job of that. And, you know, I, I don't want to hear the argument of, well, you know, no, he, he didn't say something. He said, he didn't, he's not supposed to say something. He didn't have to say something. Somebody knows something like that's going on. There's some type of, you know, creative director uh,
0: to a project manager to something. Right. Road manager. Something. For something. If he don't have the skills, teach the brother the skills. And he's going to add value. That's right. So, He's definitely added value. That brother right there, that is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, should not have been working in some building as a handyman and a janitor. It just it just doesn't make any kind of sense. Now to on me. the
1: flip side, I will say that there are some handymen in buildings that do make a lot of money. Oh hell right? yeah, yeah no. especially <laughs> you in that union, right? <laughs> like I'm saying, like literally, like upwards of a hundred. I'm just I'm just saying, like so. You know, you know if they got
0: them no show jobs, the mom used to have. It.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, but you know. Yeah, quiet as kept. He he may have had a he he may have had a little quiet lick. He was over there doing. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. I guess you know the point still remains. Yeah, uh, we sh- we should not be throwing away the foundations of this culture.
0: Let me ask you a question, my brother. When do you think? Because I know you are you're a very successful songwriter and entertainer, and you're really 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 behind pushing forward education. Mm-hmm. and especially for young black men and mm-hmm. we seem to be losing our HBCUs yeah um listen so
1: that's a that's a rough one for me man because i think the you react- went to one I, yeah i'm a graduate of morehouse college here in atlanta you know my dad went to morehouse i'm a spell house baby okay you straight know straight up straight up you
0: ain't have a choice
1: i've been going to homecoming as long as i've known been on earth <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, my wife went to Spelman. But, you know, what I can say, and, you know, I remember being at this dinner in UNCF uh, um, in, in New York, and they were talking about—this was a dinner where they were kind of unveiling their new phrase, which it was, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And it, right. it changed to, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, but it's like a wonderful thing to invest in. Or, I'm paraphrasing a bit there. Okay. And— It was a roundtable, and a gentleman who was ahead of me at Morehouse, who went on to, you know, um, American University in in, in D.C. and did, you know, he's a, you know, very well-to-do attorney. He brings up the, he gets the floor, and he's like, you know, I'm not going to send my son to Morehouse, or I'm not going to send my son to an HBCU because I want him to be able to compete in this, you know, new millennium and it's an international marketplace and blah 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 and all of the above and he went through all these things and you know I gotta say like I gasped I couldn't like I I didn't even respond initially because I was so thrown Uh to hear this man saying this and literally after it was over I went up to him uh, and I said hey brother you know let me ask you a question. You know, you went to Morehouse, you went to American University, and you've matriculated through, you know, corporate America and so on and so forth. I was like, um, the person who you are today, did you get that from Morehouse or did you get that from American University? And he said, I got that from Morehouse College. I said, so I just do not understand how you don't think that it's relevant for you to be able to send your son to an HBCU. And it it, it had him think again about what he has said you know and I, listen i get it you know you know my mentor sons at university of pennsylvania warden business schools one of the top business schools in the world and literally you know he's hanging out in the library and you know th- they're kennedys and you know for spring break he's at the kennedys house right now his starting block is definitely in a different place it's going to be in a different place than my starting block when I finished Mm -hmm. Morehouse College, right? However, you know, I I still believe that, you know, these schools not only are relevant, these schools, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what I got from going to to the AU – And was really this understanding of we got to make sure that you are the brightest and the best before we send you out into the world. And you're not going to forget who you are when you go out into the world. And I think that the decisions I've made as an artist and as a producer um, today, I know that that stems from, you know, where I've come from. Like people don't understand. People think when you're creating a brand, it's about sitting here in front of a whiteboard and, you know, putting it down and scrambling all out and doing the think tank and going through ideation and all of the above. And then it's like, okay, I need to say yes to this. this. But creating a brand is more about what you say no to. Mm. than it's about what you say yes to. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a foundation of character and integrity grounded in something that's very real, that no matter what, that internal compass is going to snatch you back in order you may think that you're growing and creating a brand, but I'm telling you, a lot of these brands, and we see them, they get to a certain place, and then they fall, and they fall very hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's because it's like you done, you're you like going, and you're hot, and you're messing around, and you're grabbing for straws, and you realize, like, okay, well— what, what do I really represent? Really? Like, you know, w- you know, if I say to myself, what is the question that I ask myself more than anything? So, you know, my wife and I were doing our whole two 2018 kind of like thing. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's a very interesting question to ask yourself. And it tells you a lot about yourself when you say, what is the question you ask yourself more than anything? And you find a lot of, about yourself, but you know, the number one thing is, you know, this next generation, man, when it comes to giving back, it's hard. If I got to choose between my Netflix or giving back, a lot of these young people going to choose Netflix. Mm. And so you got to create a culture of understanding you got to give back because the way it works is when the president of any of these prestigious universities or institutions goes out to the AT&Ts or the Amazons or the Googles to raise capital or the Starbucks to raise capital for the school, the first thing they say is give me the percentage of the folks that have gone to your school. What percentage do they give back? Hmm. And whatever that percentage is, they're like, well, I'm not going to give more than – your own gives back because they don't even care that much about your right. university. So folks got to understand, it's like, it's not even how much you give. It's how consistent you give. You could give $5 a month. You can give $2. You could give $1 a month. $1. You could get $12 a, a year. But if folks, if all of the folks at HBCUs did that, like consistency, consistently, the level of endowment that these schools would have would be amazing. I learned something. I went, I went to our LSU uh, and I was going on a full tour, and, you know, they got the tiger there and the whole thing. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, and this, this tree here is, is is endowed at uh $10 million. and this tree, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. The tree is worth money? They're like, yeah. I was like, I've never even heard
0: that before. Of oh, a tree being worth money.
1: The tree has endowment. It blew my mind. And then I just started asking at different HBCUs, I was like, did you all know that you could, put a value on the different trees on your camp, like, no, most folks have never even heard of such. And it's just like, you know, that level of access to information. Right. And, you know, I have to say the, a lot of these institutions with, you know, these tenure professors and folks have been, you know, doing things a certain way for a certain amount of time And a lot of folks don't necessarily really want to switch with the times. And that's a problem. Because at the end of the day, when somebody's going to look at somebody's resume or so on and so forth, you know, uh, and if I want to get a job working for the NSA or I may want to go get a job in defense at some point because I do really well in math and science. Well, they go back 10, 15 years to look at your record. To even before you can even be considered for that job. So but if you don't have students to understand, you know what? I may need, I need to make certain decisions mm-hmm. when I'm seventeen years old, when I'm fifteen years old, if I wanna have a job working in defense where, you know, I'm coming in at the gate and I'm making 350. Right. With the craziest benefits and the best, you know, benefits that any other person on earth has. But that's not even an option to me because I done done something stupid on the ground. Wow, You know, and so, you know, I just think that there's a level of, you know, um, not only access, but just just knowledge of really the way, you know, this modern world works that, you know, is imperative for these institutions. But also, you know, the people who have gone to these institutions don't be afraid to. Send your, your your you know your folks there, because you think that it may not be up with the times and so on and so forth. You know, one of the things I've learned, you know, you know, working, uh, you know, being a you know a man of God and serving, is whatever you don't like in your church, that's actually the place where you're supposed to go serve. Hmm. That's the way it works, and that's how it should be in our community. It's like we take so much time, you know, complaining and talking about what we don't like. When it's like, you know what? I know that you probably never thought about being a public servant or running for office, but you know what? That may be something that you need to do, or find somebody in your circle to help them get to the place where they can do that. Because that's what it's all about—is it is about serving. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, you you bring up so much when you when you kind of um, open that can
0: of worms up for me. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Yeah. Uh, do you think? <clears throat> Do you think a lot of young people now coming out of high school feel like they'd be better served by not going to an HBCU because they think when it's time for them to enter the job market, another degree will hold more water than an HBCU?
1: I think that's possible. You know, um, I, you know I definitely think that's possible. But I think, you know, what I know is your gift will make room for you, and that's a fact. And um, I know, you know – you got to understand, when I was a, you know, I went to Morehouse 9296. Mhm. You can't get no better year of music and culture. Right. Right. I got some
0: some young people would tend to disagree with that, but
1: well that's fine,
0: but le- here's my
1: argument. My <laughs> freshman year, I'm in room 411 at Graves Hall. What's the 411 came out? <laughs> okay. SWV, I got a SWV album. I got a first Biggie album. I got a Snoop album. I got a Chronic album. I got a Mob Deep album. I got a '92 through Infinity album. I got an Outcast album. I mean, I can keep going. You know what I mean? I got Tony Braxton. I got a you know I got like I got a I got a side album. Y'all ain't even got a side album. I got a side album. I got like, and and not only that, being in Atlanta, all of these artists and stuff had to come through Atlanta.
0: So from you don't a, forget TLC,
1: yeah TLC, all get Aaliyah,
0: of it. Aaliyah, Aaliyah
1: like like the, all of that stuff Jeez. was I mean the variety of just incre- like dude you you went broke trying to go to concerts like it was it was that many concerts yeah it was a lot it was a lot
0: it was a lot but they
1: also all went to the schools because they were all just coming up so they you would get a lot of freebies you know f- you know concerts and promotional
0: shows that is so stuff. missing now isn't it. Oh man, dude, it's a—it is so missing. Like the artists today, they don't want to do nothing for free,
1: and it's—you can't look at it about doing it for free. You got to look at it as I'm sowing a seed. Yeah, and I'm building an audience. And I'm everybody went on hard.
0: promo tour. I don't see nobody of bro, of, they don't want to do a promo tour.
1: And come on, labels, don't act. Y'all are back, so it's some money,
0: right? Don't let's let's stop playing. Y'all figured it out.
1: Y'all figured it out. Some Thanks, streaming.
0: Streaming though, streaming, you, though is there. You, you stick. You sticking up streaming. You sticking the shit out of streaming. So don't act like you don't have you don't have any money. You got plenty of money. <laughs> so you know,
1: but promo tours and that stuff. I mean, the, the part that they're missing is you know. Then you wonder why artist development is not at
0: the level. I miss street teams too, man. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I miss street teams. Street teams let you know what the fuck was getting ready to happen, what was happening. I mean, it did start getting overdone, but I missed that and I missed. Promo tours. I remember you get signed. You was going on a promo. You tour. did a promo tour. You
1: understand? At Morehouse, I saw a bad boy jacket before I even knew what bad boy was. Oh wow. I saw a bad boy jacket. I was just kind of like, "What's that?" And then I heard a Craig Mack record, and then saw oh, the flavor, logo again. Yeah. So and
0: then connected the two. You missed the Big Mac. You missed the Big no, Mac. No, the era. Big Mac. Yeah. The, no, oh. I didn't miss the Big Mac. I know about the Big Mac. It was such a great promotion. It was
1: the best. It was one of the great promotions of time. You get, you get, you get, all you get time. proud for for that, Puff. So his first two artists were Biggie and Craig Mack. So he Craig put, was first out the bat. Right. Craig was first. So he got the McDonald's. Uh, Big Mac Big Mac thingy The Box The Box The Box the, the Big And Mac he had thing. It was called The Big Mac And it was Biggie And Craig Mac And he had the, Put a the sticker single.
0: Right on top of it And had a cassette single yeah, Inside yeah, the it box had the single With one gave, of each Yes It gave it out to everybody Who don't want that? Brilliant <laughs> Somebody has to
1: have One of those by the way If you
0: have one of those Please post yes, on Instagram please. And tag oh
1: me and Ed Love yes, please. please I would
0: love to I would that. love to see that Do you that. think Puff got that? Does Puff got a vault somewhere with just like yeah, he got? He got with him for a long yes, time. Yes, he 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 does have vaults, but like of all his just bad boy cool shit that he put out, he 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 do, But like, it's I probably not organized. Puff, I'm sorry. No,
1: he's Puff. He's, he's always, always going to be. Gonna be Puff. Anybody knows calls him Puff. Anyway.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I can't do the Diddy thing, P Diddy, the Brother Love thing. I'm glad he was joking about that because <laughs> it threw me off. But it's always going to be Puffy to me. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. For a long for time, for sure. So you think he got a vote with all that shit? in? I think he probably. I hope so.
1: No, no, no. I, I for sure know that stuff gets stashed in different places and that sort of thing. Like how organized and all of that. Like that's actually that's. I'm gonna send him a text about yo. You need to have all them dang assistants. So I just need to go and organize all that stuff, right? Because, yes, yeah, exactly. What was your role? When you work for Puff, I was Puff's assistant. But the reality is, because of the way his business is structured, Puff is the Godfather, and I I need people to be very clear about that. Like if you if you if you've seen the Godfather of the film, yes, yes. one or two, all of them. That's Puff. Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. I was the conciliary. Okay, right. So if you look at it, the conciliarity the conciliary you know, in security, what, those were the closest folks to the Godfather Absolutely. at all times. Yeah. So that's what I did and, you know, I just think because he was diversified and, and you know, because the restaurant was still happening at that point, mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to watch how a mogul runs that many businesses and add... Value those the, that the, those businesses, you know, and you know, I will pat myself on the back. I was the one that told him he needed to he needed to focus more on fashion, and I told him that fashion was the next frontier. And I had come from working at Ralph Lauren, so okay. I'm one of the first African Americans to work on the floor on 72nd, the the flagship store in, in New York, because mm-hmm. most black folks we worked in shipping and receiving at that time. Okay, there wasn't a lot of black people on the floor, Uh and so. I had worked in fashion for two and a half wow. years here in Atlanta and in in New York. So I was like, dude, there's a huge opportunity
0: here. And so I never... Can we, can we backtrack for a minute, please? Sure. Because a lot of people, including myself, are interested to know, mm-hmm. how did you go from working on the floor at Ralph Lauren to working for Puff? How did you meet sure. Puff? How did that whole thing sure. happen? I need that story.
1: Sure. So, so what happens is... You know, born and raised here in Atlanta, finished Morehouse, finished all my credits in December 96. We only walk once in the spring, so I got to get a job. Right? Because I got a whole semester. I got to get a job. So, I needed benefits. need health benefits. Uh-huh. Polo had just become a public company, so Polo made sense. Also, I knew I needed to get to New York because I wanted to work in entertainment. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew it was hip-hop specific. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what, and I didn't know how. And like, we all know, like, all of the folks in Atlanta, they kind of, those deals, they went through some stuff. From Tony to uh, Outkast to TLC and so on and so forth, right? So, mm-hmm. and, you know, I went to middle school with 3,000. So it was like, I was like, I got to get to the heart of this culture. I got to get to New York. So I go to New York and, you know, I well, sold more than anybody in the Southeast, so I got recruited to New York, the mansion. Uh, so I'm at the Polo Mansion. And so what happened is, I'm, you know, I live in Brook. I live in Best stuy I was living in McDonald's between Ralph and Howard, right? All my four or five Utica. You know, if you go local, route Shout
0: out Brooklyn. If you All, all my folks. Born in you know Brooklyn right here, at Cumberland Hospital. Then my father got a job. We went to Queens. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, you know, I first get to, when I get to New York, so I'm going from Brooklyn to 72nd and Madison. So when, I could either either go home, put on some, some sneakers and get, you know, chilled out, or I go out from work. So I went out from work, so I wouldn't miss the happy hour time, which is, you know, six to eight, right. six to nine young black professionals, young professionals doing different things. And this is the days of life, Moomba, uh, all of that kind oh of stuff. Oh, my God. So good times. Yeah. You know, still tunnel, all that stuff. So, yeah. you know. You know, but you get your pre-on before you hit the club. That's right. Right? So pre-gaming the
0: young people you pre- call it now, Yeah, pre-game. We, we
1: invented it. Just yeah. want y'all know that. So my thing was, I began to brand myself unbeknownst to me. Because I was wearing suits, but in a different way. Because people wore suits, were wearing gray suits, navy suit, white shirt, blue shirt, red tie, yellow tie. I'm in a chocolate brown three-piece with a lavender shirt with a full art tie, slapping you upside the head with chocolate <laughs> brown suede. <suits. laughs>
0: right. This is serious. How were you doing this on a polo on a polo? No, you get though?
1: you get sixty five percent off if you work in oh, this mansion. You
0: was killing them. I was killing them. You was purple labeling before oh, we knew yeah, what the but fuck but I was, was literally
1: <laughs> was purple labeling before y'all knew what it wow. was.
0: I saw Pimp C a purple
1: label green suede suit for what for? I think it was like forty five hundred. I never forget. I saw the Pimp C like like Pimp. Nobody has this. <laughs> you know, but I'm you know I'm just kidding. Anyway, so the point is so. You know, trying to get into the different events, and the thing that everybody went to was Life, right? right. That's where everybody yes, went. Yes. Still, to me, the greatest party, for me, of, of of I've ever been to, it was Life, right? Mark Ronson you know, was spin and you know, it was it. King would be at the front door. Mm-hmm. Took me two months to get past King.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? That's funny. It's to walk right in life. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: took me two yeah, I'm from Atlanta. I don't yeah. know nobody. So right in. It, took,
0: it took me so two man, so King. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it took me two months to get past King finally got in. And so what happens, I'll never forget Sean John, if you remember when it launched it was T shirts. Yes. Denim and mm-hmm. velours. That's and right. That T-shirt, Japan, Tokyo, New York, L.A., and that was it. Well, I've been working in fashion now almost three years, so this was—I was a was very confident working in fashion. I was now training for design down at um, uh, at, at the, uh, the the men's manager was really uh, grooming me, training me for design at Ralph, that sort of thing. So, you know, I remember I was like, "Man, I can't—I I didn't care if I worked for Jay, Dame, Russell, Puff." Any of the moguls, I just knew I wouldn't work for one of them because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But I knew if I got next to these guys who are managing all these different businesses, I could figure out how is it that they're doing this. And then once I figure out where I could be the most successful, then I could go do that. Okay. That was my strategy. Okay. Now, what I realized is when I got to New York, I was like, yo, these folks are making a lot of money, but these are, they're not classy. And it bothered me.
0: (laughs) It bothered me. It really bothered me. You see Russell with the big T-shirt and the hats. Well,
1: even, like, getting in proximity and sometimes even hearing the conversation, and the level conversation. And I I got my – it was a Sony Mini disc then. I'm on the train with my Mini disc. And I didn't like the looks I got when I'm listening to hip-hop. But I'm dressed better than – everybody, in my purple label suit. But the looks I got, Listen, I'm like, these people don't get it. Hip-hop is a completely new genre of music. Right. Like It's like, okay, why don't you go home and create a new genre of music? Like Go do that. That's not happening. Right, it's not going to happen. So I was so enamored with this culture and, and grew up watching this culture. And it bothered me that one class, so I had a strategic thing. I said, I want to bring class hip. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But that was something that I had in my heart. In a real, very real way, in a very real way, and I felt if I got next to one of the bigger voices in hip hop, that I could do that. So anyway, you can't go up to Puff and like, "Hi, my name is Derek Watkins, and uh, I'm a graduate of Morehouse College, and you know, I would really love an internship." I'm sure Puff got that at least fifteen hundred times a week. Right. So I said, or I maybe gotta, a day, or a day. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to find a different way of doing this. So I walked up to him, and I was just like, um,
0: I was, I was like, uh, Where'd you see him at?
1: It was either. It, if it wasn't Moomba, it was one of them type spots. Okay. Okay, so intimate spot. And I walked right up to him. He was scared, And I walked up to him. And I pointed to my my, my tie. And I looked at him. I said, you want to do this. I said, but you can't do this. And then walked off.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. What an arrogant fuckwad. It's exactly what he was thinking.
1: Right? Right. But I wasn't. I just knew I had to say something to get under his skin. Okay. And to peak interest, like who the fuck, who is this nigga? Right. Second That's time I, too. second time I saw him, walked up to him. I said, um "I said, Mr. Combs, do you know how much more money than me you have?" I said, "But do you know how much better I look than you every single day?" And then walked off. <laughs> oh shit! So I'm walking <laughs> off before he can even
0: say something. Right. You ain't even waiting for me I rebuttal. ain't waiting for him. I'm, I'm like, out. fuck you. That's what I gotta I'm say. Out. Yeah, I'm out.
1: Right. The reality is, I know I can't do no verbal karate now, with did
0: puff. You, did you leave the club or did you stay in the club, or just walk away from now, him? Or I walked just... completely away to a whole nother, either upstairs. Some well, Somewhere he didn't see he, you he did, at all.
1: It was not possible. Okay, all like right. no
0: goons was gonna right. follow me,
1: none of that, right? So then I remember I'm in Atlanta. We know Kim Porter shot to Kim Porter, mother, three of his children, uh, double slash four, really. Uh, shout out to Quincy. Right. You know, he's, Puff's always in Atlanta throwing parties. So he's in Atlanta. I happen to be home. So I was like, I got to get in this party, no matter what. So I get to the party. I also know I got to use a different approach because at this point, he knows who I he, he, am. Yeah, you know he, 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 even he, in New York, you know a face, a familiar oh, face. Oh, absolutely. So I'm sitting there, like across the party. So, you know, he's sitting there looking. And then, you know, when you sign, as soon as he
0: catches how did like, you get in the party, though? Oh, I snuck in. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I've been sneaking in party. Wait a minute. You waited until somebody opened the door and then snuck in? Oh, yeah. We've been doing that since Lower Manly at Morehouse College.
1: Like, you get somebody, somebody get in, then you go find the door, and then, you know, that's how you do it. Okay.
0: I've been, do- yeah. I've been sneaking in. Where I'm in. from, we s- just bum <laughs> rush the fucking security. Oh, okay. Yeah. Knock no. his ass down and <laughs> stomp on him a little bit and get in the fucking party. Fuck I've been, I, I've Niggas I've been sneaking in events. got razors in, in their mouths. You don't want it.
1: Still. <laughs> even once I got in the game, still sneaking in the events. That's a whole other thing. So Okay. So I mean so he he on the other side so you know you you know catching the vibe and as soon as he sees me, I throw my hands up like <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is hand, that what you did? Yeah, put
1: my head put my hand gested from head to toe, like, come on, bro, shake my head like, come on. All right? Don't go over there to him. Leave the party. Now the interesting thing is about two weeks later, I'm in New York. I'm at Blue Ribbon downtown. Mm-hmm. Love that place, right? So it's still, you, open, to still open to this day. Still open to this day. It's open at four AM, and you gentlemen. can't get a better late night meal no at 4, in Manhattan than Blue Ribbon. Do yourself a favor. Yes. So I'm in Blue Ribbon, you know, small dining room, yes. right? Maybe twenty something tables mm-hmm. tops. So I'm sitting there. I'm with this shoe designer, it's a gentleman's shoe footwear designer, and my homegirl Jeanette. And and you know, Puff walks in. As soon as he walks in, he like a lines to my table. Walking over on my table. So as he's walking over, you know, I stand up, you know. <laughs> button my jacket. Stare down match. Of course I win. I have to win. Right. <laughs> right. So I win. And then he's like, he's like, uh, he looks at Jeanette because he knew Jeanette. He's like, yo, give him my two. is a Motorola two ways. Now for the young people who don't know what a Motorola time port two way is, this is highest level cultural this was email. This was DM. This was. This technology at its finest. Yeah. And it cost them things were expensive. Those were had, expensive.
0: $350. $350. Now, yes.
1: and the thing is, you were in the industry, so you had one. I'm not. You I'm going to pay for mine just like everybody no, else. No, but my point is, I wasn't in the industry, but because industry people had them, I knew I had to get that. Okay. Because if I ever wanted to communicate, you got to have a platform that they communicate That's on.
0: Where That's where Ringtone started. It's a very good point. Yes. That's a very good cultural point.
1: So anyway, he said, yo, give him my 2 a number. I want to work on my fall wardrobe is what he says. So he gives me – so I get the 2 a number. So now I got the 2 a number. I didn't hit him. Like, I'm busy. <laughs> I wasn't busy. I'm at home like, oh, my God, I got the plug right here. Like, what right. do you say? What is the first message? Like, what do you say for the first message, right? So I'm sitting there, and, then, you know, next thing you know, and I'm just kind of waiting for the right time. And next thing you know, Club New York happens. Club New York is him and his girlfriend at the time, Jennifer Lopez, go to Club New York. The shooting happens. Yes, shine,
0: shine the whole bullshit. So
1: he gets on trial. And my first message was actually like a Bible verse, sending a Bible verse. But I'm sure everybody was sending a Bible verse. The Negro is on trial for murder. Right. So he would just reply, "Thank you." But you know, I'm one of a trillion messages. I'm sure at that time. So then you know, he gets through the trial. And um, he goes into Ralph Lauren, and at this time I had left, and I'm working for Danny Meyer at 11 Madison Park and and Tobler Restaurant. Okay, they are the ones that created Shake Shack. I low key was a part of that. That's a a, a funnier, longer. St- I'm I'm low key the a Forest Gump of culture. Okay, low key. Oh, I would love to hear this story,
0: <laughs> but let's continue with yeah, the we'll continue. story. Do, we'll yeah, we'll continue. I'll do it. Yeah. Story. So
1: so the bottom line is, so the bottom line is he he so. I'm I'm si- I'm sitting there, and so you left Polo. So I left Polo. I'm working in the restaurant business. Real quick, why? Why? Because I met the gentleman who trained the guy who had been the head designer for menswear for the last 17 years by the name of John Vazone. His mentor's name is Alan Flusser, who's written more, uh, who's won more Cody Awards than any other menswear designer, and has written more books about fashion, standard foundational cultural books about mens fashion than anybody in the world. Okay. I met him. His daughter was working in my section. I met him, so I was like, "I don't need to be sitting here folding little bitty flag sweaters anymore. I just need to learn under him." He put together a curriculum for me. I went to FIT, took the curriculum he put together. So I'm like focused. Okay. At the time, so I don't need to do this, but I still need to make money. So I got a job at a restaurant. Okay. So good question, by the way. The so the sidebar part of that. <laughs> oh well, anyway, I don't want to because it's already long. So, I, so I'm working, so i working, so I'm, like, going to FIT, working in a restaurant. And so I wake up after doing the double the restaurant at, like, 1230 in the afternoon, and I see I got 15 missed calls from Ralph Lauren. I call Ralph, I call, hit my man Sean McDowell. Sean, what's going on? Like, I got 15. He's like, man, I called you. Puff came in here. He asked for you. And we're trying to call you because we know you live down the street. We know you've been trying to develop this relationship. I'm like, oh, man. I said, you know what? Fax me a receipt of everything he bought. A fax machine, young people. <laughs> is a device that you would you would send like you would make a copy of something and then you would send it uh digitally in a piece of paper and it would be a lot thinner yes. and a lot of times you couldn't see it well fax paper fax paper and you could send things like you could send. This is pre
0: email. Yes. <laughs> so that's it was. Before the plain paper fax machine came out. Exactly. It was a roll of paper, remember right. that? It was a roll yes. of paper. It was thin as fuck. It was terrible. So
1: they sent me a he sent me a fax of, of post receipt. Now I had just worked, finished working at Ralph, so I know the SKUs. I know what everything is. So I see all the clothes he's bought and I'm like, okay. Where is he going based on what he bought? Now, mind you, people, this is pre Google. I know most this of y'all listening don't even can. know.
0: Uh, uh, people, are you pre-Google. listening? Y'all don't
1: know a pre-Google Earth. So I can't say, Google, where are celebrities going in the month of February? Former aware. No, you can't do that. You had to do what I call real research. And yes. I'm not chumping off your research, but, Ed, you know what I'm talking about. You had to yes. pick up the phone. You he's had to call doing. this one. You had to call that one. You had to figure it out. Right. That's where figure it out came from. <laughs> so I'm doing that, and I deduced, based on this, he's going to the Academy Awards. He has to be. He's buying all this formal where he has to be going to the Academy Awards. So I put together three ensembles based on what he bought. Number one, number two, number three. Why two is better than three. Why number one better than two. Da-da-da-da-da. And the inspiration from whatever film or photograph I got them from, and that's my first message. Boom. Send it to him. No response. Okay? Still going to the restaurant. Uh, get sent home for being late again. <laughs> and I left the restaurant knowing I was never going to return again. And it had nothing to do with the restaurant. The, you know, I've, the, the best job I've ever had of any job I've ever done, other than being a father and, and, and a husband, has been working at a restaurant front door. It's the fun, most fun job ever. But I had just outgrown that opportunity. And I went with a goal, and I knew I had to get back to my goal. So I walk out of the restaurant. I got on my 2 ass and I hit puff. I'm sure you're really busy. I need to talk to you. He responds. Uh, who is this? I said this Derek. He said, Well, where are you? I said, around the corner from my house. He said, Who is this? I said, this Derek Watkins. He <laughs> said, Where are you? I said it's 72nd and second. He said, Who is this? So I'm like, okay, now how do I let him know who this is? Right. And I said, Ah. I said this Derek Watkins, the soup master. Sent it. He didn't respond. He knows who this is. Okay. So I sit in the lobby of my apartment down 72nd and 2nd. And I did what I do what I do when I don't know what to do, as I went into prayer. And the thing about prayer, folks, is prayer is not a monologue; it's a dialogue. Mm. But people really don't obviously take the time to actually listen and communicate to hear what the Father's actually saying. And I said to him, you know, G, you know, the whole Jesus is my homeboy. He's like, he really is my homeboy. So I said, and I was like, I said, okay, look, Lord, check this out. I'm not going back to the restaurant on Monday, and I need you to tell me right now explicitly what I need to say in this next message so I can have audience with Puff today. And I'm not leaving from this lobby until you tell me explicitly what to write. And I sat there, and I didn't move for 25 straight minutes. Mm. Next time you get a chance, see if you can stay still for five straight minutes. Right. Okay? I didn't move. For 25 minutes. And when I tell you, it came right out of my spirit and I just started typing. You remember the guy from Howard University that traveled to New York City to intern with Andre Harrell? That's puff story. That's right. I'm that guy in 2001. Don't make me go back to work on Monday at the restaurant. He said, come to thirteen ninety-six Third Avenue. I started training as his assistant that day.
0: Oh, wow. Facts. Wow. Facts. Did you, had you discuss salary or anything? You just started. (laughs) I
1: showed up. I showed up. And next thing you know, we got in the car and we were headed down to the Soho Grand. No, he said he hands me his phone. He says, "Make a reservation at the Soho Grand for drinks. You can't make a reservation at this particular area Soho Grand for drinks. Do not use my name. If you don't have a reservation by the time we get there, just have a nice life. It's all good, you know." Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. So, as soon as he hands me the phone, as soon as I dial, as soon as I say hello, meaning I have connected to Soho Grand, he immediately turns the music all the way up. Hello? this is new york hang up on me three times now mind you i know all of the language to get a reservation because i've been working in the restaurant business okay we pull up to the soho Grand. would you like
0: to share that language a little bit of
1: it so one of the things you want to say people if you're calling and you can't get a reservation you call and you say how you doing um um is it can i please speak to uh the manager of reservations i have a Swanee guest that I really like to make sure that they are taken care of, okay? Soigne is French meaning to take care of. Okay. It's also inner circle, mm-hmm. that community language. Okay. They know, oh, you got a Soigne, I guess. That's different. Now, then you got to finesse the rest after that, right? But that is sort of like, you know, just like in our culture, there's language and mm-hmm. stuff that you know and da 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 So anyway, so as we pull, as the SUVs pull into the Soho Grant, I jump out the car moving sprint run up the stairs i see some people you know how when you're finishing dinner and people standing up like we were finish dinner you're like oh okay well yeah, yeah you know you're doing i see a table doing that right now i've been working the restaurant this whole time as they doing that i start clearing the table <laughs> people at the re, people at soul grand looking at me like what is he what is he doing like he doesn't but i'm clearing like i just you know i worked at 11 madison park this is like right. you know to this day 11 madison park is the number one u.s restaurant of the U.S. restaurants in the global kind of Michelin star, da da da. da. Like anyway, so I'm clear, da, da da da. I hear the voices. I hear him walking up the stairs da, da da da. So by the time he gets upstairs, I'm leaning against the wall like next swagging like okay anyway like, that's, <laughs> like that's, I'm like, like my my attitude is that's light work right now mind you the the food writer from the New York Magazine is right across and so I know all the food writers because they come to the restaurant so he's like. Derek, is everything okay? I'm just like, shut up, just shut up. Because, like, <laughs> he don't know I work at a restaurant. Like, I'm still trying to, he don't know who I am. I'm still a man of mystery. Right. Right? So, Puff sits there, and he's having a a a, a, a meeting with this girl who's trying to get to do, like, Sean John Women's. So, you
0: just gave him a table with no reservation? D- just walked in, cleared and the table. And sat down. Cleared the table. And he just sat there. And he just sat there. And nobody from the Soho Grand said no, sir. No. But at this point, it's puffing the bell. Right. At this point, they already know who he is. So it's fuck. It. Yeah. So yeah, they're not gonna actually get out So the and this was the this Me is day to toss my ass out of there. But <laughs> this is I'm a
1: pinnacle. Up. This is a pinnacle moment where I I realized this is the beginning of understanding what the relationship is gonna be like. After he finishes meeting, you know, I'm sitting there. You know, I got my legs crossed just like across my legs, like if I'm reading the, the Sunday paper or watching the game, whatever. So I'm sitting there, and then he's like. Yo motherfucker, like, motherfucker, you ain't hanging out, nigga. What the fuck is you? you what you had sent out? What you sitting like that, nigga? I'm like, what are you talking about? Motherfucker, you ain't what you sitting like that for? And I'm like, this is how I sit. <laughs> and in this moment I realized. Remember, Puff's father died at what he was two or three. Mm-hmm. So he literally went through being raised by mama. Shout out to Mama Combs. Big shout out to her. Hi, Janice. And then he went to Howard and left, started coming up under a harass. So he just went straight into the culture. Mm -hmm. So as far as a father figure or a strong male in his life, I don't know what really represented that for him. Okay. So the way I was sitting to him looked like I was hanging out, but I'm sitting like how my dad said, like how a man said. Right. But he thinking I'm sitting like trying to be fly.
0: Yeah, like you're trying to
1: relax. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, no, this is how I say. And I realize in this moment, this is going to be a bi-mentorship. He's going to be mentoring me, and I'm going to be mentoring him. Mm-hmm. I realized that in that moment. I'm like, because I, I was like, what is he How is he missing this? Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, I walk GQ. You know what I mean? I lean Vanity Fair.
0: That's just a bar. But anyway, I anyway, I love that bar. <laughs> anyway. I leave Vanity Fair. That's some <laughs> but, fly shit. But, but anyway, but I'm no. I tell my wife that when I get home. Girl, I leave Vanity <laughs> but, Fair. You crazy? But, the, you know, but the reality is, and so what
1: happens is, i never forget, after working for a bit, we go to L.A., I had, I had FedEx every suit he bought to L.A., the FedEx bill was something like $6,000, something crazy. <laughs> and everybody knows m- most very wealthy people are very frugal mm-hmm. and puffs d- d- no different. So all I hear is, yo, what the, who got a FedEx bill for $6,000? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that would be me. He said, what the fuck? You just got here. What you think?" And I'm like, no, I FedExed all of your suits here, and I want to show you which ones I'm keeping and which ones I'm throwing away. But the ones we're keeping, we're going to re And this is my tailor in L.A., so we're about to fix this. And he's like oh, okay, well, shit, nigga, let's go. <laughs> right? Because, you know, it was one of them proactive, that was that first, like, real proactive moment that I took.
0: Right. And that's when... If you know Puff, you know Puff. If you're going to go off the cuff with yeah. Puff or off off the beaten <laughs> off path the script, or yeah. off the script, mm-hmm. you, the script is the best word yeah, yeah, yeah. to describe it. If you're going to go off the script with Puff, you, it better be flashy. It shit. better be. It, it better has be. to be off the yes. wall Fly 100%. fucking
1: shit. 100%. So he immediately, oh, okay, so this is when, you know, and he hadn't presented himself yet post really the trial like that. So after this happened, and I remember seeing June Ambrose later, and she was like, when she met me, she was like, I knew somebody else was near him. I could tell. And so, you know, even though I'm the assistant, I'm really like chief like you know, now I'm gonna say chief because you got you got Natalie Moore who's his publicist and the savant and all of the above It's a whole team, but I'm literally a part of a transition team. Cause yeah. This is a man who has to completely transition. Yeah, you were chief
0: fly, nigga, though. Yeah, but it was <laughs> for real. You yeah, were chief fly. Well, nigga. I
1: appreciate it, but it was like, but it was deeper than that because what happens is when I, well, I, I remember he went to Jay Leno first. He was going to Leno. We had done British Vogue. And I mean, we go, to, we go, we in London, and he did British Vogue with Naomi, which by the way is the first time African Americans were on the cover for mm. British Vogue. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I've always wanted to go to German Street, Savile Row. And he's like, no, Negro, you go look at the clothes they got and start picking stuff out. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm, this is a dream come true. So anyway, I'm pissed. I pull the clothes out. What he has on the cover, I had when he walked in. So I styled the British Vogue. Obviously, they're not gonna give me styling credit for it, right? But. He, what he had on, so he wore the exact same suit on Jay Leno, and I switched the socks. Off. I said, You're gonna wear these purple socks. I said, As soon as you sit down, cross your legs, Leno's gonna say something, because he's gonna recognize this is a different puff. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he said he loves it. And, puzzles, and Jay's like, He's throwing Joe's like, Wait, what's, what's going on? This is, this is different. I mean, it happened like clockwork, like literally like clockwork. And the thing for me was, you know, this is my boss, and I wanna do the best for my boss, and I know he's representing the culture. What I didn't really understand is that it was going to change the whole hip-hop culture. Mm. And then, you know, I remember Mm. we go and, you know, I remember this day in Rodeo with Jay and Puff is taking Jay and showing Jay basically the same stuff I had done for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we went out and, you know, Jay obviously has always had his point of view, super fly, shout to Jay, fly guy, and so on and so forth. But I remember a little bit after this is when Jay kind of helped bridge the culture with, you know, I'm gonna do button ups.
0: Yes, yeah. And so this happened. So the throwback off button up nigga. I remember that. And that was like the bridge. Fuck S up. Woo. Like single handedly destroyed Mitchell
1: And, and S, by the way, literally changed the gross national product of the Amer- of the United States at that time. Like S was
0: it, it was incredible. If you didn't get your throwback from Ness- your shit was bullshit. I still need and the Pistol Pete. Uh, Maravich uh, joint, right? Uh, yeah, for, and Mitchell and Ness Hawks. also, <laughs> shout out to Mitchell and Ness, they also single-handedly help educate young that's black exactly men right. Very good with point. those throwback jerseys because Very what it did was open them up to why are they wearing this jersey? Who is this yeah. person? Who is right. Wes Unsell? That's, Who is ooh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Who is Pistol Pete Maravich? They Hardwood wanted to classics. know. Hardwood classics. Hardwood yeah. classics. Then Jay came out with changed clothes. And it's funny.
1: I was supposed to be in that right. video. We working on Diddy Runs the City. We in the edit, and he calls Jay calls Puff, and he's like, "Yo, we want Bentley to come, because in that video, uh, Beans is the only dude that hits the runway. That was supposed to be me. Okay. Jay called Puff to have me, and so, I we were editing Diddy Runs the City, and it was literally my birthday. So I was so pissed that he wouldn't let me do that video. I was oh I was oh I was pissed. So anyway, yeah. But my point is. Like, you know, unbeknownst to me, I'm just doing what I'm doing for my boss and knowing how much he represents the culture and feel and understanding how much more d- a different level of business and investment capital it can attract to the things and the endeavors that he's into by him showing a different level of class, especially post all this trial and everything. Mm-hmm. But it really starts shifting the culture. And, it, you know, it was extraordinary because, like, a me didn't really exist, so people didn't understand me. They, you know, it's a Negro with a, a yellow, canary yellow blazer at the Source Awards. And, you know, it's like, is he gay? Like, what's up? And this is like, and I got to say, like, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Especially as a viable, viably single black man I was at the time. Right. <laughs> heterosexual know? male. Very heterosexual. And it's like, you know, but... You know, so it was it, but I and I realized like you know, you know, a visionary always looks crazy till they hit dry land, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you know I'm glad that I was next to somebody who's had as much bad press as he's had enough as much positive press. Puff, mm-hmm. right alongside me through that journey. So, you know, he was like, "Negro, you know what you said you wanted to do? Like it's not going to be easy. You got to just continue to have blinders on and keep doing the things that you're doing because you obviously see it's making a difference." And you know, I feel, you know, you know, very blessed to, you know, have contributed to the culture and continue to, you know, to Who contribute came up to the with culture. the name
0: Farnsworth? So what happens is... How do you go from Derek Watkins to Farnsworth? So Bentley?
1: you know how hip-hop go. First of all, you know how nicknames go. Mm-hmm. All right, by the way, sidebar, if you don't want a nickname, if somebody calls you something, don't respond to it. <laughs> That's number one. Okay. That's just, just one-on-one. So that... the So... After I showed up after the email the the the, the two way and the, so right. the next day he's like show up at my house at nine thirty AM if you're not here by nine thirty, good you'll have a good life, it's all right, no problem. So I gotta like get in the car, go to my job, resign, and then get back up to Park Avenue and seventy fourth was he was where he was. Now mind you, let me sidebar. Puff owned a building on Park Avenue in two thousand and one. Mm. Okay. Let me just really like it were three apartments in the building. Puff was on the first three floors, or first four floors, and then there were f- four more floors, and then four more floors. And I remember one day I had to go up and collect the mortgage check from the people upstairs. They were out of town, so they want me to go. They were like, "We left the check on the kitchen table." So I go up there to get the kitchen, t- get the check, and I'm "I come down. I'm I, oh, I see my dog. I'm like, Puff. I'm, by the way, nigga, the, the apartment on the f- top floor. Oh, it's killing yours." He said, <laughs> "He said word." Negro, do you know he kicked them out and made him swap?
0: <laughs> he made them swap with him. I told you, I felt so bad when I, I, I saw the family. Felt, I felt that's, so bad. That's Puff. Puff is not no. Puff is competitive oh as my fuck, God. and so he funny. wants to have the flyest shit. I felt so it's, bad. It's got to
1: be the flyer shit. See out. the family moving all this stuff and what can they say? Black man on the building It is yeah. what it is. So anyway, so I show up that that morning, the next day, and you know. Tony De Niro answers the door. De Niro immediately puts me uh, in the theater because Puff ain't up yet. Duh, 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 hands me a CD, has me listen to stuff. I think at this point everything is a test, right? So right. I'm making notes. I'm add strings here. Add, I don't know. Whatever. So then he comes down. Yeah, Puff's up. We come. So we go upstairs. And then Puff's give me a tour of the, of the apartment. And he's he gets very excited to show me his closets, which – I was impressed by the fur closet, but that was about it. Like everything else, I'm just thinking, oh, I'm about to change all this. He just doesn't know it
0: yet. But all of this is finna get switched out, right? Wait a minute. Did you hear him, ladies and gentlemen, say closet? Who the fuck? That's not an apartment, it's a home. Yo, but that's a home. No, it, no it's you a home. a fucking fur closet. That's a home. No, okay. Department. You said he lived on the first three or four floors? Four floors. That's a fucking house. They ain't no, no apartment. It's, no, it is a house. I'm just, come on. I'm a New Yorker too. There like, ain't I'm no from apartment, Atlanta, bro. but I'm a New Yorker. So, apartments. What's a apartment is a apartment? what is your estimate with the square footage of that place? You know, that's actually a very good
1: question. I would have to say, because that room where I just had every suitcase on earth laid out, that room alone was at least 2,000 square feet. Apartment. So, so, the. So okay, so I, it, should we just call it a limestone then? Should we just really <laughs> elevate it? Let's, yeah, let's really, call it something. Let's call it so, not so a the problem. home. So anyway, so he's walking me through. So this day, I, put, I on purpose didn't dress in a suit. Okay, I had on like my my um, baby blue uh, pinwheel corduroy Mark Jacobs. I had on like a gray. Raglan sleeve cashmere, purple label thing I had on my denim Mark Jacobs. Sleeve. and I actually had some Oliver Peoples shades with tropical punch frames. Catch that. <laughs> and I put I had the shades like in my in my little you know on my in my sweater. So he's walking me through and I'm trying to like draw diagrams. I don't know if I'm gonna have to just go find another room on my own or something. I don't know what's going on. Right. right. So he's like, okay nigga, I see your shades. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see how you do your shades then nigga. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this is opportunity for him. So I pull out my shade. I'm like, oh my and he's like, you're like a, you're like a bootly knee Farnsworth type of nigga or something, right? <laughs> so Tone starts laughing. I don't even know where the reference comes from. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't remember at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately say, yo, please don't let that be my nickname. He's like, no, 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 nigga, we ain't going to do you like that. We ain't going to do you like that. Well, immediately... You know, I go downstairs. There's a tour bus out front. There's an intern shows up. I'm helping load up this bus. I can see Puff's wheels turning and Puff's like, "Yo, nigga, where you live?" At? I'm like, "I live six blocks away." Cause he was in 74th and Park. I'm 72nd seconds. He said, like, "Oh, nigga, go get your stuff. We moving to Miami for the summer." So I go home. I go to tell my tell my girlfriend, "Look, babe, don't tell nobody. I may get fired tomorrow, but I'm getting on this bus. I'm training to be his assistant. I imagine, but I don't know." So I go load up and so for we went from new york to miami on the bus that's about 22 hours yes right so for 22 hours you know he's in the back with the big bed with whatever broad he's with and there's like writers and like so like loon and like jack knight and different writers and folks and they're listening to beat so this is the first time i've actually seen music being created okay i had never seen this process i'm like so hold on These Negroes just sit down to a beer. I like that. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, this is what happens? Right. Because if you've never seen the process, you don't know. Yeah. It's vibe. And I'm like, I'm calling home. Like, yo, look, they they had this device called an MPC (laughs) 3000. Just call my brother. Go buy this and figure it out. Like this is what they're using. So anyway, and for twenty two hours, his boy Ton keeps calling me Farnsworth, just because you know at this point you in the hazing mode, right? That's just that's that's rites of passage hip hop, and I feel very fortunate. Like I got official hazing, right? Like I really from some of the best I ever from, from the do best it. ever do it. So I feel like, and I think at the at the same time, I think that's why I have a lot of respect in this game because people know like if he gonna got through puff. Like, I mean, he, like he he you did, did some stuff. anything. Yeah, he did some stuff. Like I ain't never had to walk for some cheesecake. I mean, but goodness gracious. I mean he wanted me to come on that episode. I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna be a part of that episode. Right. I mean, that's gonna be all you. Because that would have been me in the car with a with a freaking megaphone. Keep walking. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I'm gonna take a pass on that. I'm gonna pass on that. So anyway. So long story short. When we got to Miami, he was doing all these different dinner and dinner meetings. So dinner or lunch meetings with like different executives, either film or television or fashion or all these different meetings. And so an assistant can't sit down at this meeting. Mm -hmm. Right. So but I figured I was realized there's so much game happening at every meeting. And I want to hear this because it's like hearing a, a meeting and a negotiation with him and these folks, that's like being able to sit at Warren Business School. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't want to miss this. So because I worked in the restaurant business, I would go into every restaurant and I say, okay, look, I'm a captain of the station. I'm going to pour all the water. I'm going to pour all of the wine. You just come help me clear. Other than that, I don't want you anywhere around this table. And so I would run service for all of these different things. Okay. So clockwork, every single time at every meeting, an executive would say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Puff, like, I, look, I'm an executive. I'm a CEO. I have an assistant. But what the fuck is this? Like, I have never <laughs> seen this shit before. Right. And that's really how some people started to actually start to think that I was a butler or that sort of type of thing. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, anybody knows Puff at the time, he was drinking Santa Margarita. Uh, Pinot Grigio. I like I I'm just about to throw up in my own mouth just <laughs> thinking about it. As many as much Santa Maria I've bought and poured. <laughs> so any assistant had that, like, you know, shout to all of the assistants that came before me. You know what I mean? They knew that, but like when I pour wine, I do formal wine service because I worked in a formal restaurant. Right. So that means, you know, I'm going to show the label. I'm going to get a wine key. I'm going to take out the cork. I'm going to hand you the cork so that you can inspect the cork and smell the cork. And then I'm going to pour wine so you can do a taste. Right. This is how wine service is done. Right. The reality is a lot of these hip-hop Negroes just haven't been around this level of sophistication. When I came with this extra level of sophistication, they didn't know how to articulate other than this this nigga's butler. (laughs) That's the reality. Right. But I was just doing... What I've always done, and I really live by the quote by Dr. Benjamin E. Mays. Dr. Benjamin E. Mays was the president of Morehouse College, and he was Dr. King's mentor. So he taught Dr. King about nonviolence. He taught Dr. King the teachings of Gandhi. And the quote that hit me freshman year that has changed my life when I really probably actually heard it for myself. My junior year is whatever you do, do it so well. No man living, no man dead, or no man yet to be born can ever do it any better. Mm. And I've always lived by that mantra. So if I have a level of expectation for myself so high, it doesn't matter what an expectation for my boss or for my parents or for anybody else around me can do. And let me, let's just talk facts. There have been a lot of assistants. I'm definitely one of the most famous personal assistants oh, of all absolutely. time.
0: If not the most.
1: So, you know, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying the level of excellence I really put on myself was that. Uh, and so that's how, you know, I've approached whatever it is that I've done. Um, and so,
0: you know, I think, that, you know, there's some good getting in that. Yes. And absolutely, sir. There's also some get some good getting, a get good in a good getting, the, however you want to put it. And everything that you put down. And we want to thank my man Derek Watkins, a.k.a. Farnsworth Bentley, for being here with us. On the Ed Lovers Show. Of course, y'all know we call it Come On Son, the podcast, but wherever I do, it's just gonna be me no matter what. So come on, son. We appreciate y'all listening. Uh keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. We'll talk at you with you to you and about your ass next week. Okay. Be good if you can't, be good. Be careful. If you can't be careful, name your baby HBCU after historically black college or university. All right. Thanks to my girl. Krista Hayes and, of course, Kimana Paulus for helping me put this thing down each and every week. Rest in peace also and always. Combat Jack, thank you for shining your light on me, my brother, because without you, I would not be sitting here right now, all right? Remember, I always give you the good shit and not the bullshit right here on Come On, Son, the podcast. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.